0: Hello, surprise, surprise, we are going to start this podcast with a special edition. And we are going to talk about SRHR, yes, Sexual Reproductive Health and Rights for Adolescent and Young People. This is your host, Edwin Advin. Welcome. Before we dive deep into about 10 episodes of this special edition, I would love to acknowledge a number of individuals and key organizations that have done a lot in ensuring that I have the motivation to do this for us, the young people. Mm, Actually, I got a better idea. Let's soon have them as guests. Then we may get to know more about why sexual reproductive health and rights, commonly abbreviated as SRHR, is at the core of youth empowerment and in relation to urban development. I believe that will work best. I don't know what you guys think, but uh, yeah, I think we should have them as guests. Good, so let's get into it. In this episode, we will be focusing on giving an overview of uh, sexual reproductive health and rights. I believe we could do this by looking at three main areas That is, introducing ourselves to sexual reproductive health and rights. And then two, we could also look at uh, the current SRHR situation in Kenya. How are we doing and what are some of the indicators that we could analyze uh, when it comes to SRHR in Kenya. And finally, look at challenges faced in provision of sexual reproductive health rights services in our communities. So, what is sexual reproductive health and rights? Uh, My objective here is to ensure that by the end of this episode, we are able to explain a bit of some terms on sexual reproductive health and rights, but more so know that adolescent and young people, that is us, need to have knowledge and understand the sexual reproductive health issue that affect us, right? And we need to know that we have sexual and reproductive health rights. Just to start us off, I would maybe start with trying to define what reproductive health is. And reproductive health can be defined in two ways. One, reproductive health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being in all matters related to reproductive system and its functions and processes. Many of us always think that this is simply or merely an absence of disease or a condition? No, it is not. It has everything to do with our physical, mental and social being. The second way by which we may define reproductive health is that there are methods, techniques and services that contribute to reproductive health well-being by preventing and solving reproductive health problems. So, anything that contributes to what we had mentioned in the first definition could also be termed as reproductive health. What about sexual reproductive health and rights itself, like the entire SRHR? SRHR is the exercise of having control over one's sexual and reproductive health, as outlined by human rights. So the state of being in charge of. Our sexual reproductive health is what is known as sexual reproductive health and rights, commonly abbreviated as SRHR. And uh, I also talked about as outlined by human rights. So, what are these human rights that we are talking about? They may include, but not limited to the following that is, um, reproductive health decision making, including voluntary choice in marriage. Yeah, you should choose when to get into marriage or when to to start a family right so family formation determination of the number of children you want to have within what time do you want to have these children and the spacing between the children those are your rights those are our rights as youth and not just this but also the right to access information and the means needed to exercise voluntary choices For you to make these choices, we have things that must be availed to you. So such things may include information. So you also have the right to get that information. The second one is equality for men and women to enable individuals to make free and informed choices in all spheres of life. Free from any form of discrimination. And here, especially talking about discrimination based on gender. Another right that we could mention include sexual and reproductive health security, including freedom from sexual violence and the right to privacy. In a nutshell, sexual health thus requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationship, as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences, free from discrimination and violence. For sexual health to be obtained and maintained, the sexual rights of all persons must be respected, protected, and fulfilled. It involves the prevention of the spread of HIV and STIs and promote healthy expression of sexual intimacy from violence. For sexual health to be attained and maintained, the sexual rights of all persons must be protected, respected, and fulfilled. It involves the prevention of HIV and AIDS and STIs and promote healthy expression of sexual intimacy free from violence. Sexual health for us, the adolescent and young people, mean provision of SRHR information as well as delivery of quality youth-friendly SRHR services, something that really face a lot of obstacles, but yeah, it is my right just as it is your right. On to our next area of discussion. The current SRHR situation in Kenya is not that pleasing, right? Just let's be honest. Uh, And when we get into this, we will want to see some of the SRHR data and what they point out. Interestingly, you get that we, the adolescent and young people, have various SRHR-related needs and challenges. The good news is, you can only bring a solution to a problem you understand best. Thus, understanding the extent of these SRHR needs and challenges facing us provides an opportunity for intervention. And we will see how we can help ourselves as youths and also lobby for assistance from other areas. But that comes from the ability or from a position of us understanding these problems better numbers. If we look at those between the age of 10 to 19 years, they constitute about 24% of country's total population. Now, we are going to talk about a lot of numbers here. If you are not good in maths, just try to follow along with me. I'm also struggling here. Now, this 24% that I'm talking about, that is 24% of the country's total population, translates to about 9.2 million adolescents in Kenya. Now get this. The median age of first sexual intercourse in Kenya is 18. Yeah, about 18 years. For women and for men is about 17 years. 12% of girls and 22% of boys, yeah, 12% of girls and 22% of boys report to have had sex by the age of around 15. Interesting fact, yeah. Similarly, of girls and 44% of boys, 37% of girls and 44% of boys aged 15 to 19 years have had sex. Yeah, and when we walk around, you might think that this is not important because we, the young people, are not engaged in having sex, and that is a common mentality or expectation from our guardian and people around us that, hey, you are not supposed to be having sex. But you look at these numbers and you get that, yeah, many are reporting to have had sex, right? Approximately 18% of adolescents, if I talk of adolescents, I'm talking about the age of 15 to 19 years, have begun childbearing, ranging from 10% among girls with secondary education to 32% among girls with no education. This is very important. Those with education we are talking of, 10%. Those without education we are talking of 32%. So we get that even the level of education plays a role here. For women aged 20 to 24, the young people, 1 out of 4, that is about 26% of this category had begun childbearing by the age of 18. So uh, we are talking of young mothers, right? We also have a bigger number of young parents within our communities. Each year, almost two-thirds of the estimated 345,000 pregnancies among adolescents in Kenya are unintended. That's a very big number. Two-thirds of the estimated 345,000 pregnancies among adolescents aged 15 to 19 in Kenya are unintended. That leaves us with only a third planned pregnancies. This is sad. Now, numbers don't lie. From the previous, we could agree on a few things here. Comprehensive sexuality education enables young people to make informed decision about their sexuality and health. We got that. If you look at percentages of those with this education and those without education, you get that the level of pregnancies among them varies. And you get that those that at least have this education are able to make decisions for themselves. So comprehensive sexuality education enables young people to make informed decision about their sexuality and health. Another thing that we could also conclude is that the SRHR awareness build life skills and increase responsible behavior. And because they are based on human rights principle, they help advance human rights, gender equality, and empower the young people. With this, I hope we can now start appreciating the connection between SRHR, youth empowerment, and in extension urban development i don't know if you're connecting the dots here but yeah you know in this podcast that is what i would really want to put out there that hey youth empowerment is at the center of urban development so yeah as we wind up this episode let us look at challenges in provision of sexual reproductive health rights and services we now understand we now understand that SRHR is essential for our own development. Access to SRHR services is critical for the overall well-being of adolescent and young people. But there are those challenges that we encounter in accessing these services. It is sad that many young people are not able to access SRHR services. From whatever walks of life, from whatever areas they are coming from. Even those that are able to be in a position to access these services still face some challenges so let's talk about a few i know this is an area that we might have a range of challenges because what i faced while maybe seeking for these services might not be the same as what you faced but you have your own challenges so let's go through a few one discrimination adolescent and young people are not always able to access SRHR services due to discrimination by adult health service providers. That is something that is very sad. You get in there and you have to wait. Maybe they handle a case of someone older than you. So that is discrimination itself. Remember, you are all looking for the same services and you all have the right to access those services. So why should you wait until he or she is done with those that were in line then call you that is not actually right. The second one is service providers being judgmental. We are not stupid. When healthcare providers are judgmental towards our SRHR needs as young people due to their personal values, whatever they think they know, we sense it and avoid going for those services altogether. So, them being judgmental is something that really irritates and makes many young people not be willing to go for these services. Another one is long queues. Sometimes when I go to the health facility, I find long queues which discourages me because I also don't want to be seen queuing for SRHR services with adults. So I don't know how we can separate the service provision center so that youths have their own places and adults have their own places. I just don't know, but those long queues really discourages. Religious beliefs. Religious beliefs also hinder young people from accessing services because there is a belief that we should not be having sex and we'll therefore not need any SRHR services. Family pressures. Remember when I was talking about long queues? This discomfort in queuing is also compounded by the fear of being spotted by our parents or reported to our parents or guardians. Remember they also need these services so when they come to the facility and find that you're using the same queue, you see, it's already a problem. On many occasions, the HR services may not even be available or accessible to the young people. Sometimes the hours of operation are not convenient for the young people. I go to school, right, and that means For example, I'm in a day secondary school, right? This dispensary offering these services next to my place opens at 8 a.m. and by 5 p.m. they are closed. Meaning, for the entire time they are providing their services, I'm at school. When I get back home, I'm not able to access these services. Some of these reasons may also be as a result of our own making. For example pressure may prevent adolescent and young people from accessing SRHR services. The list goes on and on and on. I will be interested to know what are some of the challenges facing young people in your community and preventing them from accessing quality SRHR services. Let's share. You can get hold of me through my social handle. Uh, just find Edwin Advin in your platform of choice and let's share. I also do a lot of one on one engagement, that is, chats. So feel free to reach out 799 Again, 799 Meanwhile, stick around for the next episode of this uh, special series. We will be talking about sexuality. Very interesting. A number of interesting conversations there. Until then, I take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the end. Share this with your circle. Let's join in the youth movements around the world in crafting the future that we want. It starts from knowing who we are and making the right decisions. And SRHR is at the center of some of the decisions and some of the knowledge that we should be Uh, making and knowing let's talk soon good